The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to a, uh, another Future Socks podcast, our first one of the offseason. Uh, it is the what is it, middle of November here in uh, Chicago. We're going to do a series of... Uh, interviews with a handful of White Sox prospects and baseball writers, but uh, this first one uh, features Dylan Cease and Gavin Sheets. Right now, uh, Dylan is joining me uh, from, via Skype from Georgia. So, Dylan, uh, your weather in Georgia is probably a lot nicer than it is up here in Chicago. I don't know. It's in the 30s and rainy right now, but well, uh, yeah, mind, then. can't complain. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's not... Uh, it's not raining, but uh, I guess the temperature is about the same. But it's supposed to snow, I think, tonight and tomorrow, so that'll be that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So first things first. Thanks for taking some time this evening. Um, before we get into uh, any specifics, uh, how's your off season been? It's been great so far. Um, I'm probably a couple weeks in the lifting. Uh, I went. I got to meet the uh, the yogi. I'm a really big fan of, so I got to meet meet him and do like a program with him so that was really exciting and uh so yeah right now i'm just getting my body ready and, and getting ready to go for next year you mentioned um before we started the podcast that you haven't really thrown at all since i mean for a few months um so when are you going to get back to throwing then i'll probably start i'll probably start tossing again in december uh, i always like to take you know some time off at the end of the season let my arm recover and start working on my body before I, before i start throwing but i'll probably start Starting after December. So we'll get into uh, the uh, the workload you you had this season in just a little bit. But first, uh, MLB Pipeline Pitcher of the Year for uh, 2017. Let's talk about the Dash season. You were the Dash and the Barons. Let's talk about the season with the Dash first. That's where I was, okay. was able to see you, you know, numerous times, including that uh, game that eventually clinched the uh, first half title. But with the you know, you you uh, I don't want to say this. You dominated, but then I want to say in Birmingham, you did even better. So I guess what was the key for you, uh, I guess, in Winston-Salem this year? Uh, I think in Winston, uh, I started using a lot more change-ups. And obviously, my fastball command and all that was uh, was better than it was last year. Um, and then, uh, you know, I really started kind of getting a feel for my off-speed, too. Um, I didn't really start throwing a slider much until I got to double-A. And... Uh, <clears throat> And uh, when I got to double A, I kind of changed my curveball and, like, the shape of the pitch a little bit. So I think that and more consistency in my command is why I did even better in double A. But uh, I feel like high was definitely, like, a good base for me to have that jump in double A. 
I think one of the things that stood out to me the uh, most watching you pitch in Winston was, um, you know, you you'd go obviously you were deep into games and you'd be pitching you know 97, 98, and you're still pumping in 99, 100 miles an hour. And I guess that that just shows I guess your, your stamina and, and the strength is that something that you uh, maybe focused on last offseason or something? Is that something that's always been there? Or where does where did that really come from? Uh, you know, it's something. It's it's why I prepare so hard uh, in the off season. Um, but you know, obviously, the harder you throw, the more mistakes you can get away with, and the better results you're gonna have. So, if I can throw 98 in the eighth inning, you know, it's, I mean, it's it's almost like having a, a reliever come in and you know with, right. with good stuff. Um, so, I mean, for for the most part, I've always maintained my velocity pretty well. So, but obviously, getting as strong as you can is always gonna help uh, with your stamina. So what was it like uh, pitching for uh, Omar and then obviously, you know, Matt Zaleski, the pitching coach, but what was Omar like as a manager? You know, I mean, I was around you guys a lot and it just seemed like just a, a very fun-loving and loose manager, but uh, obviously knows his stuff. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was definitely a really relaxed atmosphere. Um, you know, a guy like that who's, who's been there and done everything. I mean, if you can't think of some, some good questions to ask that guy when he's your manager, you're probably losing out. Uh, so that that whole team in general was was a lot of fun for me. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was really definitely special to, to be able to say that Omar Biscale was uh, was one of my coaches. All right, let's move on uh, to Birmingham. Uh, so some of the numbers: a WHIP of .99, uh, an ERA of, of one seven two, seventy eight strikeouts in fifty two innings. And like I mentioned at the beginning, by the numbers, you were even better in Double A than A. Uh, you mentioned that you started. Uh, mixing your slider a lot more there is that yeah. maybe why you fared better or what was go- what was the reason uh i changed my curveball grip to like more of a knuckle curve okay and that made my curveball better um <clears throat> you know it's, it's tough to say i definitely my slider is definitely better in double a um i feel like i got a better feel for it and all that um so i, I don't know i just got i just got in a groove where i felt like you know i could throw a curveball 2-0 for a strike or you know, locate my fastball pretty well. So uh, I think I was just in a good position to, to do well and uh, help the team. So that was a that was a really good experience for me. Definitely a confidence booster. I uh, have you. I was, let's go back to Winston real quick. You mentioned the guys you played with. Um, yeah. you know, a lot of people around minor league baseball thought maybe that may be one of the most talented minor league baseball teams. You know, in all of baseball. I mean, you guys, yeah. I mean, from top to bottom, that lineup, you top 100 prospects all over the place. So, I mean, there's so many guys to, to, to talk about, but yeah. I don't want you, I don't want you to single out some guys that, you know, leave some guys out, but I mean, as a whole, and maybe, maybe if you want to go into some individual guys, that's fine. But what was that like each day? I mean, you're out there on the mound knowing you've got such a great defense behind you and then knowing a team like that will give you lots and lots of run support. Yeah. Uh, and that's without uh, Jake Berger and right. Luis Robert for when I was there. So, I mean, imagine if we had, you know, those two extra guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was one of the most talented groups I've ever been with for sure. Um, I think one of the things that – obviously the offense was good, but I think the, the starting pitching was was really good too. You know, you had like – you had guys like Jimmy Lambert, Bernardo Flores. Um, let's see, who am I leaving out? I'm, I know I'm leaving people out, but I mean – Pardon? I said DePico did well. Uh, I mean, there's some other DePico, guys. DePico. Yeah. 
uh, Kyle Kuba. I mean, we had a we had a lot of pitchers do well, and then obviously the offense was, you know, the offensive juggernaut for the most part. So uh, that was that was definitely one of the most fun uh, teams I've ever been on. Um, let's uh, let's go back to uh, Birmingham. Um, so there's you know, a lot of the guys that. Um, that were in Winston the first half moved up as well. You know, Alex Call and, and Joel Booker, some of those guys that I was able to see there. How, how do you think they, you know, I, I, everyone can read the numbers, but uh, how do you think some of those guys uh, did as they moved up as well with you? Yeah, I was really, uh, I was really impressed with Booker all year, honestly. Um, I, I think, you know, I think Call did fantastic as well, actually. Um, you know, I'd have to, You'd have to talk to him and see how, see how it's going from his perspective. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure those guys are probably always harder on themselves than, you know, what the numbers say. But uh, I was impressed with both of them. Uh, I'm a really big fan of how smooth uh, Alex Call swing is. And then with Booker, he's just a wirely, wirely, uh, wirely explosive athlete. So uh, both of those guys bring in, you know, some different tools to the table, but they're both fun to watch and can help a team win. A lot of um, a lot of you know so-called experts are down on the uh, catching prospects in the White Sox organization. I don't know. Um, I know Zach was there all season, and then obviously you threw to a few guys in Winston. Um, I, did you get to throw to Sebi at all, or was it just who is who are your catchers down there? I threw to Sebi in uh, spring training, but okay. uh, during the season it was Nate Jones and. Uh, Collins for the most part. Okay. Uh, so what did you think of uh, Collins? And... I mean, Nate, Nate Nolan, not Nate Jones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I enjoyed throwing a Collins. He was he was way – I mean, he was twice as better in double-A when I threw to him than in spring training. So uh, uh-huh. whatever he did to – oh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, whatever he did to improve was, you know, it worked because he was, he was definitely way better – uh, in double A. So, I mean, I, you know, I have no problem throwing to him. Um, you know, it was obviously we, we had some good success in double A. So, um, you know, I trust him. Uh, so you going back to your career high of uh, 214 innings this year. Um, and then you, um, you were shut down, I guess, was at the end of August, I want to say, or maybe yeah. the last week of August, whatever it was, what did you think of that decision? And then I know you said you haven't thrown since September, but then how is your arm feeling How's your arm feeling after that season with that, with that workload? Yeah, uh, it was. I ended up throwing about 30 more innings uh, this season than I did the year before. Uh, so I respected the decision. Uh, I definitely feel like I had more in the tank, but um, you know, it's never a bad, it's never a bad, you know, decision to be cautious. Um, right. My arm feels fantastic right now. My arm really never, I never really had any problems with it during the season. So. Uh, you know, I'm looking looking to get ready for next year and, and get after it. All right. So speaking of, of next year, last thing uh, here for you. Well, last baseball thing. Real quick, I want to ask you something else. But uh, okay. what, what are some uh, what are some of your goals for 2019? Obviously, I, I mean, you see you see where the White Sox are, and then you, you know you want to get up there and help as soon as possible. What do you think are some realistic goals for you as a pitcher? Not 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 your the team where you start, or not the organization, but for you as a pitcher yourself. Uh, I mean, for me, most of my stuff is probably going to be like more process oriented goals. The, the more I, the more I learn my process and learn how to handle myself and take care of business, the more the results will be there, you know, with, I'm not going to say less effort, but with less tension and less stress, you know, that's one of the big things is, 
the better routine, the better you learn how to handle yourself, all of that, more awareness, uh, it just makes, it makes life easier. So for me, it'll be, you know, knowing what adjustment to make pitch to pitch or, you know, learning how to take care of my body even better, just little stuff like that and, and let the results take care of themselves. But, uh, I look forward to hopefully being able to have just as good of a season or better this upcoming season. Uh, I guess kind of piggybacking on top of that, you mentioned um, earlier that you kind of changed your curveball and your slider towards the end of last year a little bit. Is that yeah. something, is one of your goals maybe for 2019 to even improve on those a little bit more and to kind of tweak with that more and make it even more dominant of pitches? Yeah, I'm always trying to improve. Um, you know, I think, you know, with it, maybe one of the things I can think is always make sure I throw it with, you know, fastball, arm speed, or, you know, just little cues like that. Uh, I don't plan on changing the grips or anything unless I really feel like uh, that needs to be addressed. But, you know, I was happy, I was happy with the shape of my pitches by the end of last year. So really I just want to be more, more consistent with everything. All right, Dylan, last thing for you. Um, I think when I, when I interviewed you, I think it might've been in, in maybe early June or whatever it was, I asked you about, um, you know, being traded from the Cubs to the Sox. So for people that didn't hear that, take me through, you know, what it was like. Um, well, first of all, when you were drafted by the Cubs, one, and then two, when you found out that you were traded from the Cubs to the Sox, your reaction? Yeah, when I was drafted, it was it was a lot of mixed emotions because I had the injury. Right. So, uh, you know, I knew I was going to have to go get the surgery and I was going to be away from home for a long time, so... Uh, that part of me, I was really scared, but I was also excited to have the opportunity. Um, and fortunately, I, I learned how to be a better professional with the Cubs and learned how to kind of carry myself. And, you know, obviously, through the rehab, you kind of learn how to be patient. You learn how to follow a process. Um, so for that, I'm really grateful. And then, uh, you know, the day I got traded, I think I got a call at like 10 in the morning. Um, and I kind of had an idea it might have been happening because I kept getting uh, – my starts kept – kept getting pushed back. Uh, and then it, it finally happened, and I packed up all my stuff and drove to South Carolina and met up with, uh, with Kannapolis. So that was – that really – I mean, it takes – you know, it's such, an, such a quick thing that I think it takes, like, you know, a couple months to really, like, decompress and, like, realize, oh, wow, okay, this is completely new. This is different. Because in the moment, you're just, you know, doing what you have to do to, to be the best player and teammate and all that that, that you can. So I'm going to ask you this question. There's absolutely no way of knowing the answer right now, but I'm going to anyways. Okay. When you are okay. uh, on the mound at, at Guaranteed Rate or, or maybe uh, against the Cubs or at Wrigley against the Cubs, is there going to be a little bit extra there? I mean, I want to – every time I face, I want to, you know, give that a little bit extra. Right. Um, uh, it, that's, that's a tough one. Um <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I, like I said, I'm always, I always want to give a little bit extra every, but you know, I, I'm sure with, you know, with the crowd as big as it would be, or you know, it's, with, with any of those big market teams, especially, I mean, I'm sure you have just a little bit extra adrenaline, but no, I plan on giving it, you know, giving my extra to every every time I pitch. All right, man, thanks a lot. Uh, we'll uh, we'll talk later. Uh, get ready for spring training, and uh, hopefully, we'll see you uh, dominate like you did last year. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So that was MLB Pipeline Pitcher of the Year, Dylan Cease. Up next, Gavin Sheets. All right, welcome back to the second half of our uh, first offseason Future Sox podcast. And uh, first half was Dylan Cease, and now it is uh, Sox first baseman, Gavin Sheets. Gavin uh, spending time in the East Coast now here in the offseason. 
So, Gavin, thanks for taking some time tonight, man. Uh, thanks for having me. So, uh, you know, I got to see you in Winston-Salem uh, all season. You, you know, you went to Wakes. You're very familiar with uh, yeah. with with playing in uh, in in Winston-Salem. So, what was it like? I know you're not from from Winston-Salem, but you spent a few years in, in school there, and then you're you're there right. for another year at Winston-Salem. So, what was it like? Uh, not playing in front of your hometown fans, but playing in, in a city where you're familiar with. Yeah, I mean, it, it, exactly what you said. I've, I've spent a ton of time there, and, and you know, it, Baltimore and Winston-Salem are the two places I feel like I'm from. And um, obviously, right when I got drafted, that was something that kind of came to my mind was the was the thought of getting to go back to Winston and, and play in front of those fans. And um, you know, obviously, to, to start there was was awesome this year, and um, got a lot of familiar faces, and and it just. It's just a, a level of comfort that you have when, you, when you're when you living in place that you know, you know everything that's around you, and then um, obviously you see a lot of people that you know in the stands. It, it gives a little ease to, to playing, and, and it, it makes the transition pretty easy. I know there's, there were a couple times, you know, I'd be taking pictures or whatever, but there were some times when I'd just, just be sitting in the stands, and there were a few times there'd be, you know, kids from Wake there would be like, you know, Gavin's playing tonight, or, you know, I don't know if they were friends you played with or maybe just friends yeah. from school, but, I mean, that must be kind of cool too. Oh, that's awesome! And, and to have my senior class still there in the spring when we when we first arrived was was really cool. Just to you know to still be in touch with them and, and see those guys and have those guys in the stands again. So that was, yeah, you know, I think that was my favorite part. Just to kind of have that last that fourth year with those guys and, and be around them. So let's get into your uh, your, your time with the Dash. Um, so playing first, let's start start with this. I asked Dylan the same question, but what was it like uh, playing for Omar Vizquel? <laughs> Oh man, it was a blast. You know, he, every day you show up to the ballpark, you, you just don't know what you're in for. Um, you know, whether it's some kind of competition that he's going to have or, or some kind of artwork that he drew, he would, he would draw different guys. And, um, I mean, it, that was just the fun part of playing with Omar. You never knew what he was going to do or what he had in store. And, um, I, I think that's why we had so much success throughout the years because, you know, he kept such a light clubhouse and such a fun club, clubhouse that, you know, come August and September when, when some teams are in the dog days and, and, you know, he's still coming in, keeping it live and, and you know, having having a lot of fun in August and September. It really kept us close and kind of, you know, just, just kept the, the clubhouse loose and, and we weren't thinking about, you know, this is, wow, this is game 120 today. Um, instead, it was kind of, you know, what are we, you know, what, what does Omar have store in the clubhouse for us today? So, um, no, he was a blast to work with and, and obviously, then you have the, the the mental side of the game and just his experience and working with him, whether it was an infield or just picking his brain. Um, it, it was it was really really cool experience to play for him. I believe there was a time towards the end of the season where he uh, dyed his hair purple. Is this correct? Oh yeah, I mean he, <laughs> he dyed his hair purple, and he, I remember he put um, some purple dye in your Mercedes hat. So when he <laughs> put it on, his hair was purple too. I mean, it, it's just stuff like that. You just <laughs> you just never know what he's gonna do, but. Um, you're always looking over your shoulder for, for where he is because you don't want to be the next guy he's going after. Um, the other thing, I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time around many pro football or pro uh, pro baseball Hall of Famers, but didn't act like he was better than anyone or he seems like a very, very down-to-earth guy. Oh, he was so down-to-earth. And that's, that's one thing you have to respect because, um, you know, obviously he comes in and he's a 12-time Gold Glover and and hopefully a future Hall of Famer. And um, you know, there's some guys that would 
that you would know that right away just by the way they act, but you would never know that with Omar. I mean, he, he just he, – he wanted to be one of us. He, I mean, if you didn't know it, you would think that he was going to line up and play with us yeah. that day. But um, – and that's that's why he – that's why we had such a good relationship and, and the whole team bonded around him is because he just – I mean, really, he just wanted to be one of us. You could tell he wanted to play just as bad as all of us did. But, um, you know, now he was in the role of a manager and, and he, he wanted us to grow as players and, and hopefully one day do the same stuff he did. So let's get to the uh, the baseball, the numbers, and the uh, on the field stuff. Um, sure. You, yeah. So your numbers: uh, six home runs, sixty one driven, two ninety three average, and that on base percentage up near three seventy, and he's slugging over over four hundred. Um, a lot of people, you know, not I'm not gonna say myself, but uh, you know, a lot of Sox fans that focused on the minor leagues, you know, love the numbers in terms of you know, the walk, the walks and stuff, but a lot of people um, wondering about the power numbers. Now, is that something right. uh, I'll just, you take that however you want it. So the power numbers, wh- where is that for you? Right. I mean, you know, I'd be crazy to say that, um, you know, I was happy with six home runs. I mean, that's, that, that would be crazy to say. And, and um, you know, I'm not blind to the fact that as a first baseman that's your role that's your job is to to drive and runs and and hit home runs um but I think at this stage in my career it is more important to you know just be a good hitter just learn how to hit first you know I think that's the most important thing is to to be able to to hit with two strikes and and put the ball in play and and have a high on base percentage and walk and and cut down on strikeouts um you know I'm a firm believer that that if you do that the power is going to come and um you know, that's something that definitely I'm going to work on. I don't think that I'm going to be naive to say that, you know, if I hit six home runs from, from here on every year that I'll be in the big leagues soon. I, I think that that's, that would be a little crazy. But I do think that, you know, learning how to hit at the in the lower levels and, and being a good hitter, I think that goes a long way. And, um, you know, I think that in this day and age of the game, that, that does go a little unseen. But um, I, I think there's no question that, you know, this offseason I'm going to put a lot of emphasis on, you know, getting strong, but but making some adjustments to the swing where where those power numbers come back because, um, you know, it's it's not a feeling that I have that you know I feel like I lost the power. I just think it's it's just one of those things where, um, you know, just just learn how to hit, figuring how to hit, and and the power is going to come because it, it's still there. So I'm not worried that that the numbers aren't going to be there next year and going forward. I think there was a uh, a stretch. Uh, let's see. I don't have the uh, I don't have the actual game log, you know, in front of me or something. But there's a stretch. Maybe it was the middle of the year where you hit. Uh, maybe you hit three of your your six in like a week or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. Do you do you remember Do you remember exactly what I'm talking about? Maybe you've hit two um, in one game or maybe two in a double header yeah, or something. I, I know I hit. Um, so it was right around the half mark. That, I hit. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, I hit two. That, that was kind of the thing this year is that they really came in spurts, and um, I hit two in in back to back games, yep. and then. I hit two in one game, and then the last week of the season, I hit two in the last week of the season, and then one in the last playoff game. So right. um, they come in spurts, and it's just one of those things that, you know, I, it's tough to say, but, you know, it's it's a swing thing, and it, you just get the feeling, and, and you remember the feeling, and then you just go on from it. But, um, you know, going forward, I I think that, you know, adjustment I will make going forward is, is you know, trying to be more aggressive, trying to have that intent of, of hitting the, the long ball and, um, you know, seeing where I go from that. But, you know, I, I've, I've got to the point where I know I can hit, I've, I've proved I can hit this year. And now it's, 
it's, you know, going to the play with a little more intent and, and looking to drive the ball more and, and, you know, trying to get those home run numbers back up. Um, so you, uh, you guys had, had quite a year. I mean, you guys won the first half and you guys, you know, lost to, eventually lost to Bowie's Creek in the playoffs. So hey, a darn good, uh, team themselves and a pretty good organization yeah. with the Astros. Um, sure. you know, you had some, some awesome moments from opening night at home to the walk off with Booker still home. That was pretty sweet to, you know, clinching it, that first half title. I mean, what were some of your, uh, I guess some of your favorite moments from this year? Oh man, that. Yeah, there's so many, as you're saying. I mean, just the Booker stealing home. That's pretty um, sweet. You know, obviously the night, the night that we had, um, the, that we clinched the first half. The Fourth of July game, I thought was, was pretty incredible because you know we were down by, I think we were down by four or something, and then you know we erupt in the seventh inning and, and we end up winning like twelve to four and, and in front of ten thousand plus. I mean, there, there was just so many memories from from this year that. That'll that'll go on and and uh, yeah I think the coolest thing was was that people recognized what we were doing at that low up at high A um, you know people all the way up the organization everybody saw what was going on at Winston Salem and I think that, that was so special for the organization and just for us as a team because you know we we knew what we were doing was going recognized and um, we were having a blast doing it we had a great team chemistry and um, you know really we just it was just a contagious year. Everybody was feeding off each other and everybody was rooting for each other. And that, that was the winning formula. I think, uh, you know, people, there are people that know, or not that obviously there are, but the people that know more about minor league baseball as a whole, uh, you know, we're saying that your team um, top to bottom may have had, you know, some of the, the most talent of any, of any minor league team at any level. I think that's yeah. just, I mean, you look at the number, I mean, you look at the, the rankings and you know, the rankings are the rankings and, you know, there are obviously players that were not ranked in a top 30 pro- prospect system that were, you know, they're playing in the majors today and vice versa, you know, right. all sorts of things. But so what was it like playing with such a stack lineup every night? And then with a pitching staff that, you know, from, from Dylan and Dane, you know, some of the bigger names to some of the, yeah. the lesser known names that got it done every night too, like Bernardo Flores and Jimmy Lambert and DePico and some of these other guys. Sure. I, I mean, that was, that was the thing is that, you know, you look around the room and there's so much talent and um, it, it made it easy. I mean, there was so much talent in the room that you just, you just fed off each other. And that was what was so cool about it. No one was jealous of each other when the rankings came out. Nobody was saying, Oh, why, why am I not here? Why, why is he up there? And and there was none of that. And that, that was what was so cool because I think in a minor league clubhouse, you, you tend to see stuff like that going on. And um, you, you know, we had none of that. There was guys that, you know, guys that I mean, like Bernardo Flores. I mean, he just he he threw the ball incredibly this year. And then you've got guys like Dylan Cease that are, you know, top ranked guys in the system that are that are obviously doing what what he does and goes out there and and carves every night. And then and then the, I think the biggest thing for us was in the second half when we moved some older guys and we sent them up. We had guys from Canapolis come in and I mean, Lazar there and Louis Gonzalez and Tyler Johnson coming in. I mean, it, it, we just kept feeling in. And I think that's what speaks about the organization. You know, it's such a great organization in terms that we can just, it's next guy up. And, um, you know, I think when they got to Winston, everybody just feeds off each other, you know, whether you're getting called up or moved down or, or whatever it is, you just feed off each other. And, um, you know, with that kind of talent in the room, it's, it's hard not to. That was going to be my, uh, my next point. You kind of stole my thunder. So thank you for that. No, um, <laughs> Uh, so I don't know how many organizations, I'm sure it has happened before, obviously, but I don't know how many organizations go out, dominate the first half, lose so many important players, 
and then they just bring more up and didn't yeah. seem to skip a beat in terms of record wise or even team chemistry and it was just it was just pretty pretty awesome to see you know I've been I've been a Sox fan since I was you know since I could barely walk so for me right. it's 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 awesome to finally see you know the, the organization do the rebuild correctly and just see waves and waves of talent come in so what was it like for you being a part of that first half club you kind of touched on it, being part of that first half club and then having yeah. the new guys come up not skip a beat no, I mean, you, you, you touched on it. It's just, it, it was pretty exciting to see. I mean, we, we moved some guys up, but I think the, the core group of guys stayed in Winston. And, um, you know, I think we made the guys who moved up, they obviously were thrilled for them. And we went up and, and we, we kind of had a meeting with the guys that were staying in there. And we said, look, we need to keep this culture the way it is. Right. You know, regardless of the guys that moved up, it's important that when the guys from Canapolis get here, they need to know they're part of something special. And, um, I think we did a really good job of that, but I, I mean, the biggest thing is that I think those guys came into it knowing that they wanted to be a part of what was going on in Winston-Salem. Um, you know, the guys in Kannapolis all knew when they got up there what we had done in the first half and, you know, who was on the team, and, and I think that they just bought into it. And they, I mean, as you said, the second half was was just as good, if not better. And, um, you know, I think that's something special that the White Sox have, have created. Uh, so some of those other guys, I guess let's, I'm going to ask you about some players you got, you played against, but let's talk with some of the guys you played with. Um, okay. you didn't get a full season of Luis Robert. I know he's probably the, the biggest name, um, in terms of, you know, from top to bottom on the list, and, you know, Mike, Mike Rodolfo and Blake. And I mean, it's just, it's incredible because half your team is on the top 10, but, uh, right. but what did you see? Um, from Luis Robert, I mean, he, he tore up the Arizona Fall League, but what did you see from him in the limited time you did get to, to play with him? Yeah, I mean, he it, it, he's just a, to the the best thing I can say about him is he's a specimen. He's an athletic specimen. I mean, and, and you know, he didn't he didn't put up great numbers when he was with us, but I don't think anybody in the clubhouse worried about that at all um, going forward because you know you work with him day in and day out, and you see him in the clubhouse, and he's just he's a freak and he's, he's a player that just doesn't come around very often. And, um, I know he was feeling a lot of pressure when he wasn't producing the numbers he wanted to. And uh, I'm really happy he did. He did that in the Arizona fall league and he proved to be the player that, you know, that everybody thought he was and everybody knew he was. Um, but just the stuff he can do on the field, just his speed and power and just the way he plays the outfield. I think, you know, everybody talks about his, his speed and his power, but I, I thought what impressed me the most was the way he played the outfield. The, the, some of the catches he made and the way he can run down the ball in center field was, I mean, it was beyond impressive. So um, I was really happy to see him in the fall league kind of get back to the Luis Robert that, um, you know, people were expecting. I think that, you know, he, he silenced the people that were starting to doubt him a little bit, and I was really excited to see that for him. Another guy that didn't uh, didn't get to play a full season was Mike Rodolfo, and I think, another, I mean, he's – you just you just watch him take BP and I mean he didn't throw this year but I mean that's another guy sure. that <laughs> you you see you see his body and you see the raw power and his athletic I mean just the way he's built it's just you just hope hope and pray that he's got a full season of healthy baseball next year yeah absolutely I'm I got really close with Mike and playing with him awesome in guy too. Last awesome guy. and then yeah really good guy um, we we've become really close we still text almost almost every day in the off season. And, um, no, that's a guy that you just, if you're on the other team, you come out to watch him take BP. And, and when you're, when you're on the same team with him, you just, 
you stop fielding ground balls and you just watch yeah. it. And uh, I mean, he's a he's a he's another guy that's just he's a player that you don't see very often in terms of his size and the way he runs and his arm from the outfield. Obviously, we couldn't see it this year, but I mean, that's a guy that that's got a better arm than than most big leaguers from the outfield. And um, you know, it, it, he's a great guy. He's one of those guys that you would never know. Um, that he's one of the best players, so he doesn't talk about himself. He doesn't show it. He just he just goes about his business, and he's he's a fun-loving guy. And um, that's another guy you hope just bounces back and and puts up big numbers this next year. And uh, who knows with him, he could he, he can fly through the system as fast as anybody. One more uh, one more guy I want to ask you about, then we'll, we'll wrap things up. Uh, but uh, so Micah and, and um, Micah's you know just been extremely extremely uh, nice to me this entire season, and just I mean just. Sure just a guy that easy to talk to and people don't realize that maybe people, maybe Sox fans that, you know, just kind of get back, getting back on the bandwagon, I guess you could say kind of paying attention. They don't realize the arm that he has because he didn't get no. to play the field and his right. arm is as good as his bat. Would you agree? I I, I would say it might be as better. Best yeah, he exactly. has, honest. I mean, you, you just watch him throw the baseball and it's stay. I mean, I've got to cut it off on the way to home plate. And it's still whizzing by me, my face from, from 200 feet away. And um, no, that's, it, it's, it's a tool that tool that not many possess. And um, I think that, you know, that, that might be the most fun. It, it's, I always usually the most boring part of the day, but when you see him throw, it's, it's pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, I think it's a really underrated tool. And I think when people go and, and actually see it put to use and see a guy trying to tag up on them, it's, it's pretty impressive and fun to watch. I didn't uh, obviously didn't make it to the uh, minors, but when I played in college, I, pl- I played outfield. So you know, people with arms, that's that's kind of, it kind of I can kind of relate to that because I it just not everyone can throw. I mean, even if you're in the outfield, not everyone right. can throw. As you know that you sure. as a hitter, you know who's got an arm when you're at first base. If you can go first to third on him or, or whatever it is, and you know that not Absolutely. everyone just because you're in the outfield, not everyone can throw. And he's he's pretty special talent out there. Very special. The uh, last guy I want to talk to you about real quick before I ask you about uh, what you're doing this offseason is uh, the other guest on my the next podcast. So it'll be Micah and then Tyler Johnson. Um, Tyler okay. Johnson, I, I saw him in, in Kannapolis opening night in, in April, and I just thought, man, this is this is a guy that if he's not up in the Sox pen, you know, the middle of next year, maybe the end of, of next year, it's just like I would be very surprised. That kid has got okay. – I mean, obviously he's got to work on – he had to work on some secondary and, and tertiary pitches, but – that arm that he has is <laughs> second Very to none. Special. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot of things to say. But Tyler's, uh, I think first and foremost is his work ethic. I mean, the way he attacks every day. You I mean he's a guy that that no matter what day it is, if he just pitched the day before, if he's pitching that day, he's in the weight room and he's he's grinding in there. And um, I mean, he's got a he's got a work ethic that's second to none. And uh, I, I think that that's you know, what got him to this position. And um, obviously his arm is so, so special and um, he's got a great makeup. Um, it, it's just fun to watch when he gets on the mound. He's a bulldog for us and coming down the stretch, he was huge for us. If he came in with a one run game, we felt, we felt very confident that the game was over when he came in the game and uh, you know, he would give us whatever he's got. If he threw two days in a row, he, when he came in on that third day. We knew that he was going to give it all he had. And um, I think that, he made some really big steps and being able to locate his slider and, and got his change up going a little bit this year. I know that him and him and coach Zaleski were working on that a lot. And uh, no, I, I think that he's got exactly what you said. I mean, I, 
it'll be fun to see how quickly he moves up as well. And um, he was a huge addition for us coming down the coming down the stretch after losing Thompson and Foster. The other thing to note um, before we get to your offseason is these guys we keep bringing up and everyone in the clubhouse. These are all they're all good, personable, fun guys. I mean, it's not oh, there. There's no. It doesn't didn't seem like there's guys with just egos through the roof. Even though you guys were stacked, you know, in terms of you know the third best system according to the MLB pipeline. You don't. It didn't seem like there's tons of guys with egos, and I think that just is that is a testament to what Hosteller and the Sox have done and who they've drafted. I completely agree. I mean, I think that's why that's why we messed so well. I mean, there was so much talent in there, but there was there were no egos, and uh, the only way we have the season we have is if there's no egos. I mean, there's way too much talent in that room for for each person to be talking about how good they are because the, the guy next to you can say more than you can say. So. Um, no, I think that, you know, the group of guys we have, and I think that's why it's yeah. so exciting for Sox fans right now is because it's such a great group of guys that you can root for and, and you can follow, and um, I, I think that makes it more fun. I uh, I purchased, I got my, I'm, a, I'm in Chicago now working uh, downtown, so I got my 20-game uh, plan, so I'm, I'm excited for next year and then, you know, these next couple years moving forward, so uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um keep saying we're going to get to your offseason but one other thing uh best best hitter on an opposing team this year you played against and the best pitcher you faced on an opposing team Oof. oh man best pitcher i would say was probably um oh uh, the best pitcher was was Darwin Gonzalez, I believe his name was, from um, the Salem Red Sox. He was a lefty. I think he led the league in strikeouts once Dylan Cease left. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I just thought, obviously, you lead the league in strikeouts, he's doing something well, but right. he was a lefty that was throwing 95, 96, and, um, you know, he, he had total command. And best hitter was, <laughs> was Bobby Dahlbeck. I mean, yeah, I, think yeah. that, I think that that guy hit probably – nine nine or ten home runs against us this year so um i saw i saw him jogging in front of me plenty of times this year so um, i gotta give him a lot of respect for that so um yeah i would say those that, that team had a good team they didn't they, they weren't there in terms of uh wins and losses but but they had a lot of talent on their team all right so your off season you kind of told me before we uh kind of started this a lot of outdoors activities you're just getting back to uh to baseball but uh, kind of take me through um, you know, uh, a, a day or two in the uh, life of Gavin Sheets here in the off season. <laughs> well, there's a lot of a lot of hunting and fishing going on, which is which is always fun. You get you get to slow it down a little bit, and um, I love being outdoors and, and playing some golf. But no, I think the the biggest thing of the weekdays is is all based around um, the workout schedule and and kind of going through the White Sox workouts and, and modifying a little bit to to what I need to do this year and. Um, you know, it's it's all based around that. My days are all based around that, and um, getting in there, starting to hit again, which which feels good to get back in there and and get, start hitting and working on some things this off season. So um, yeah, it's it's basically a lot of a lot of activity stuff, and being outdoors is something I love to do, and and getting to slow it down a little bit when you're outside of the season is, is always nice. What are you? I know we can, we talked about the power. I think that's from you know any Sox fan out there is kind of. Um, looking for that from you, but what are some goal, maybe one goal for next year for you? Is it the power numbers? Is it, you know, being, I mean, obviously 
you want to be a good teammate and you want to help the team win and, and all that stuff. But your goal, um, you know, at the end of the day, obviously, is to to get to the major leagues. So what do you think right. you need to do next year to take that next step forward to position yourself to become that the next uh, Sox first baseman down the line? Yeah. Um, no, I, mean, I think the goal is is to, um, you know, be the same hitters this year, do have a similar stat line, but have, have more home runs. Um, that, that's the goal is to, you know, if, if I sacrifice 10 points in the average and hit 280, but, but hit 15 to 20 home runs, I think that's a success. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be a guy that, that this year, you know, just focus on home runs and drops down to a 200 hitter and hit yeah. 20 home runs. I don't think that's a, yeah, I don't think that's a good hitter. And, uh, my goal is to, you know, do what I did, still be a good hitter, but, but add those power numbers and, and be a complete hitter. Um, you know, I think that I've, I've become a good hitter, but I'm not a complete hitter yet. And, and the goal this year is to put up those power numbers and, and then become a complete hitter in my mind. We could probably uh, talk baseball tonight, it seems like, but uh, I think uh, I think that'll, that'll do it. So, Gavin, man, thanks for your time, and um, good luck uh, coming up, and I'm sure we'll be in touch. And, yeah, good luck this year. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. That was a lot of fun. All right, thank you. All right, so there you have it, the uh, first of several off-season Future Sox podcasts. Uh, Dylan Cease was just added to the uh, 40-man roster today, and by today I mean uh, November 20th, and Gavin Sheets coming up on the next one. It'll be Tyler Johnson and Mike Adolfo, and then following that, it'll be Luis Gonzalez and Blake Rutherford. So once again, thanks for listening to the uh, Future Sox podcast. We'll be back with another one after the Thanksgiving holiday, so have a safe and happy holiday.